This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart. And I'm Trader Nick. Welcome back to the Market Insights, Market Pulse podcast. And today we're joined by Oanda Senior Market Analyst, Ed Moy in New York. Good afternoon from London. Hi, Johnny. How are you? Very well, thanks. Let's start with the market reaction we've seen today to the global PMIs. What's happening? I think we had a a steady dose of rather depressing news. Um, There is a a significant deterioration in the data. It started off with uh, France. I think the services PMI reading fall into contraction territory surprised a lot of people. You had strong weakness across Germany. And then um, by the time we got to the New York Open and we saw the U.S. reading, we saw further weakness as well. Now, the U.S. side did not show a significant drop off in the service sector. They also came in slightly above expectations. Um, So it it really paints a picture of, you know, you have all of a sudden the market fearing, you know, worst case scenarios for Europe, aggressive central bank rate hikes across from the ECB, the Norges Bank, BOE, um, uh, SNB, they're, they're all delivering tightening. And I think there's expectations here that you could see a market that is um, starting to um, you know, reassess that euro trade, um, and and right now, I mean, this is a this is a market. It was a bad week for stocks. You're starting to see investors are getting nervous again. They're seeking safety in bonds, and um, it's just risk off. And uh, there's a lot of uh, traders that are becoming more skeptical as far as um, where stocks can go. And uh, it, it seems like a lot of people are heading to the sidelines. Yep, and I think in terms of just the PMI numbers that we got, it's uh, it tend to fall all at the same time like this. And to see with retrospect with all of the central bank stuff that we had this week, we had uh, you know the, the the Bank of England, we had you know the uh, comments from Jerome Powell, S and B. I mean, we had a loaded week, and so to see that tightening process uh, continuing, marching, you know, charging ahead, and at the same time also seeing these PMI numbers. Uh, I mean, if you're, I'm looking at the the, the numbers now and a lot of them are you know pretty red so it's kind of a all all at once kind of thing you have some central bank tightening some concerns there you mentioned the bond market and yes a, a tough week for um you know stock investors as as took quite a beating compared to the uh, i guess kind of a popping the balloon a little bit if you will for the for the party that has been the indices the last few weeks especially when you you look at you know the nasdaq and the s p down quite a bit today in response to this I would like to add too, you know, that weakness in the NASDAQ is pretty significant. It's almost like the mega cap trade is getting knocked out. And uh, speaking of knockouts, you know, I would like to uh, talk to you about uh, an interesting development uh, with Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. I find that at first I thought this was a spoof story um, that they were going to contemplate a cage match. And uh, um, it's, you know, rather interesting to see that you have two leaders of, you know, two of the favorite uh, mega cap tra- tech trades that are uh, you know, toying with the idea that they could have a fight. And uh, I think a lot of people have uh, known uh, that you know, both have expressed interest in the martial arts. Um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg has done uh, some jujitsu uh, competitions, I believe. And Musk has talked about how when he was younger, he, he you know, you know, did several different martial arts, um, and uh, I think this is an interesting story. But I, I really hope that nothing um, emerges and we don't actually see the two fights. I think I think Zuckerberg would be the favorite, but um, uh, definitely definitely an interesting story that we saw with Tech. 
That's interesting that you say uh, Zuckerberg is your your favorite. I think I would go uh, uh, Elon, but I don't know. I've I've got two things very quick on that. First of all, uh, those two men are so busy. The the idea of them training for a fight is almost laughable to me just because of how busy their schedules are. If you've watched any interviews with them, you know, especially Elon Musk, he just talks about how he's doing all these different things at the same time. I've also, the second thing is I pulled up a chart of Meta versus Tesla. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Zuckerberg was kind of more of the instigator on that. And it just so happens that Meta seems to be underperforming Tesla recently. So, hmm, I wonder if there's any correlation there. I, I would like to point out, though, that um, while I would think Zuckerberg would have a slight edge. Um, I, I, I definitely prefer uh, Tesla over Meta. I think the uh, revenue streams, the long-term growth potential, uh, there's a solid vision, I think, with Tesla versus Meta, where we're, we're not sure which direction the company might go in in two years' time. I agree with you, Nick, though. I don't think this is going to happen. But should it go ahead, um, would the result have any sort of market sparing at all on uh, whoever won? I think we mentioned it earlier before we started the podcast as a joke, but I, I think the only way this becomes seriously market moving is if either of the uh, the participants are out of, you know, out of work for a few weeks, if they get hurt or something like that, uh, as you could probably imagine if, if either one of them are not at their post for a suspended time shareholders might be a little bit concerned about that. But uh, that's, uh, that's about all I've got to say on that. Yeah, it's not going to happen, let's be honest. We did discuss this uh, at quite some length uh, yesterday when we had uh, your colleague Craig Erlemon from London, uh, Ed. Uh, of course, uh, we saw the Bank of England as well as some other central banks hike rates yesterday, the bank going up uh, 50 basis points. What was your view from where you were when you saw those numbers yesterday, Ed? You know, we're, we're seeing global central bank tightening really um, intensify across Europe. I think that there's a, um, a clear risk here that you're, you're going to see um, a much more harder time bringing inflation down. I think when you take a look at you know some of the uh, catalysts for inflation over the next uh, you know for the next six months. Uh, you know there there is a growing risk here that you could see um, you know the the global energy crisis that never happened. Um, while yes, you know it, it seems that we we have uh, prepared for you know a significant increase in inventories. If we have a hotter summer. Um, I think that, you know, you, you really could see that the energy trade could uh, uh, put some extra pressure on, on what we're seeing with inflation here. Um, I think overall, you're, you're, you're going to see that uh, economic pain is, is, is really going to be felt by um, uh, across everyone in Europe. And I think that um, you're, you're, you're even seeing it emerge with uh, homeowners in the UK. Um, there, there's a... Um, pressure that action needs to be done and uh, i think that's why we're seeing chancellor hunt unveil some new help for homeowners but this is this is um just the beginning we're, we're just starting to really feel the impact of these these uh um, rate hikes and um as the the market is now starting to price in you know multiple rate increases by the boe and possibly supersized ones um this is this is really going to you know, cripple the economy. It's 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 going to happen a lot faster than people are anticipating, and that will do the trick for getting inflation down. But um, it, it could cause a lot of economic unnecessary economic harm. So we'll look to see if uh, um, the leaders can effectively, you know, try to support you know the, the housing market. 
and political harm as well, particularly to the government here in the UK, because uh, if harsh interest rates were to put us into a recession here, that might have big bearing on when the election happens, probably autumn 2024. Where I'm more concerned is, you know, some of these mortgage relief schemes, what they might end up actually doing is making uh, the inflation outlook worse. So um, you're, 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 this is a very um, difficult um, environment, and I think your your strong labor market uh, um, is going to get weaker. But um, um, you know, the, uh, how how do you want to have your recession? That's the question. Um, and and uh, right now, it seems that if you start to unveil more um, direct I think measures that um, are really propping up um, um, this the, the housing sector. You're 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 going to uh, you know ultimately um, you know make the BOE's job of fighting inflation a lot harder. So this is a a very difficult um, scenario um, for um, you know I think the the leadership. But this is this is uh, one of the problems with inflation, and um, I think um, we're we're going to see uh, this will probably cement you know, these rate hiking expectations for the BOE. And that's, uh, you know, ultimately going to cripple growth. Yeah. And I think just seeing across the Bank of England, as well as just other central banks kind of uh, in the same direction where we're seeing uh, economic numbers slow a bit here, again, with the PMI numbers this this morning that we got from across uh, across the world. And, and then in combination with uh, higher rates for longer, becoming kind of a narrative again with the, the Bank of England and uh, just Tightening does not seem to be as slowing as it was perhaps a few weeks ago, where we had all this optimism for uh, indices, and um, you know we've seen gold lose its steam uh, tremendously, and and all these market moves in response to kind of doubling down in the narrative, I, I would say, from what we heard from Jerome Powell, um, and maybe the indices kind of uh, curling over. Uh, sort of backing off, you know, many, many investors, many traders were, were thinking that, you know, there's a, just a bluff here in terms of uh, how many more rate hikes are coming. Uh, and, and now perhaps investors looking at all the different central banks and the situation in the UK, uh, perhaps there's a little bit of a ripple effect with like, you know what, maybe, uh, maybe there is a little bit more hawkishness here than what was expected. We see that in the dollar today, the dollar is up, um, you know, recovering a lot of its losses that it uh, ha- has recently had uh, after, you know, you know, CPI data that we had, the PPI data. Yes, it's moving in the right direction. But again, um, it may end up being stickier than, than expected. And we've talked about this on the podcast for, for quite some time. Let's talk cryptocurrency now, uh, guys. And uh, well, crypto is certainly back with a bang, uh, particularly Bitcoin. Uh, looking at the latest price now, 30,660 US dollars for a Bitcoin. Um, Those halcyon days when we spoke some months ago when you were talking about Bitcoin maybe going up to 18,000, if you remember, uh, Ed. Uh, This is a a major recovery, isn't it? You're talking to one of the more constructive uh, analysts when it comes to crypto. And uh, uh, it's fascinating that, you know, the the questions I'm now getting is, oh, you know, will Bitcoin go to 20,000 or 40,000? And uh, it's been a while since I've heard uh, 40,000 mentioned for Bitcoin. And um, it, it really, I, I think you guys, I think you highlighted it earlier this week, but BlackRock's commitment into trying to get that first Bitcoin US ETF done um, was followed by applications by Wisdom Tree and Invesco. 
Um, you're also seeing JP Morgan expand um, um, some of their crypto offerings and uh, um, with their blockchain um, programs to take euro payments. So it, it, it seems that you're you're seeing a lot of the financial giants kind of become active again in crypto. Um, it is does it imply that they know something that they have a um, strong uh, signal from the SEC that they will be able to get their um, ETFs pushed through? And uh, I think there's a lot of people that are speculating that could be the case. Um, but for me, uh, what's interesting is you have somewhat of a de-risking moment on Wall Street. Um, we're, we're looking at S&P 500 at the time of this podcast down eight tenths of a percent, NASDAQ down one and a quarter. Um, your, you know, treasuries are, you know, in demand 10-year yield is uh, down five basis points. And crypto, crypto is up 1.9%. That is fascinating. Um, we're, we're, you know, before we started recording, we're at 30,000, now we're at 30,700. Um, there is uh, some optimism here that, okay, this, you know, people are looking where, you know, once you liquidate your positions, where are you going to go into? And uh, some people are finding some uh, optimism here that this battered down, you know, being up sector um, could, you know, this could be a good time to buy. Um, now, you have to remember, where was the majority of the institutional retail money that came into crypto a couple of years ago? It was between 30 and 40,000. Um, so this is uh, some of this could be um, old money getting back into dollar cost averaging. Um, there, there, there's many different cases that could be made. Um, but I think the macro backdrop has improved slightly. Um, and uh, no, I, th I think there's, there's a little bit more momentum into this space and, and seeing this performance, you know, I, I, if you were to tell me Bitcoin would be flat on a trading day like today, I'd say, wow, that's that's rather impressive. So we'll 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 see if this rally could continue. Um, if thirty-four thousand could be reached, uh, you know that that is going to be, I think, the next key barrier. But um, this is this has been a very you know good week for crypto, and uh, I think um, if we start to if we do get that confirmation of a U.S. Bitcoin ETF. You know, remember that like a year ago, I, I was talking about that, and that was kind of one of the key catalysts that could really, you know, drive the next wave of of, of um, interest in the U.S. So we'll we'll see if that happens, but uh, definitely um, um, a good week for crypto, which um, you can't really say um, that that's the case for a lot of these asset classes. And just to compare it uh, to, of course, what it often is compared to, uh, the gold market, right? Bitcoin, digital gold, gold, uh, sort of the, the grandfather version, I suppose, if you want to call it that. Uh, gold having a terrible week, right, in response to all these central banks things. And I think one thing, we, we've used the words res word resiliency for the crypto market several times in the last few weeks as we've talked about Bitcoin and crypto as a whole. Um, you have the gold market, the silver market, down a lot in response to all the central bank stuff. And yet on the very same day, you have Bitcoin trading higher. So I think that that's a testament just to how the market 
uh, is strongly, uh, you know, liking this news, as you mentioned, the BlackRock ETF concept. Uh, these are big names getting involved in the crypto space. And, um, you know, back in the day, I remember when, when crypto was going crazy, it was all about watching for uh, more and more um, important big names to kind of stamp their approval on it, right? There was the time uh, where you had just, just tons of different companies to just, you know, disclosing that they accept crypto and that sort of thing. That was like a big trend to pay attention to. Uh, and now, you know, again, it seems like we may be getting some some embers forming here, some, some uh, fires lighting from a name as big as BlackRock coming into the space. Okay, guys, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, have a very good weekend, and we'll speak to you next week. You too. Thanks, Johnny. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.